Welcome to Killer Women with your host, best-selling author, Danielle Girard. And now, Danielle's next killer woman. Welcome to Killer Women Podcast, a proud member of the Authors on the Air Global Network with more than 4 million listeners. I'm your host, suspense author Danielle Girard, and my guest today is Lisa Brito. Lisa was born and raised in Nova Scotia, Canada, in the unceded territory of the Mi'kmaq people. She has a bachelor's in, in aerospace engineering from Carleton University, a master's in science? Yep. <laughs> A master's in science, sorry for my listeners, these are abbreviations I'm not used to because she's way too smart for me, in urban planning from the University of British Columbia and currently works as a sustainability specialist for the city of Vancouver. When she takes breaks from trying to mitigate catastrophic climate change, she likes to write speculative fiction or practice her waltz. She lives in Vancouver, BC, the unceded territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you. Well done. Well done. Oh, well, I wasn't going to get through it just perfectly, was I? So we knew that was going to happen. But we are here to talk about Adrift, Lisa. So tell our listeners about this book. Yeah, Adrift is set 15 years into our future. And it starts with a woman who wakes up on a sailboat in a remote, um, anchored off a remote island with no memory of who she is or how she got there. There's just an ominous note telling her not to dig into her past. And it follows her as she kind of goes on the journey of trying to dig into her past, uh, because of course you have to know. Uh, and it, yeah, it, it follows her on that journey as she figures out what happened to her and kind of also what's going on in the world and this kind of climate impacted world that we face and touches on some of the, I think, climate impacts that I'm curious about hearing more people talk about, but also the connections she makes, the friends kind of how do you navigate the world when you don't know who you are, when you don't have any of your memories or experiences? Right. So, and it, yeah. who to trust. And um, yeah. yeah and, you, and then she talks about, so interestingly, one of the things I love about it is that while she doesn't know who she is or like, you know, any of her past, no memories, no idea of her family, she has all this muscle memory, like, cause she's a sailor. Mm, so she yeah. navigates her boat perfectly until she starts to think about how she knows how to do that. And then she kind of freaks herself out. And then it, causes herself some trouble so she has to kind of like calm down about that which I thought was really interesting so clearly there's you know you're a sustainability uh specialist you you know you know a lot about this is clearly a passion project for you and I love that it shows in the words can you tell us the seed for the story do you remember yeah, there's yeah there's there's kind of two one is the, the opening scene of her waking up on a sailboat I went on a week-long kayak camping trip in Haida Gwaii where it's set in the opening of the mm -hmm. book. And it's it's just this really incredible place off the coast of BC, um, kind of up towards Alaska. Um, so it's quite remote. Um, like the presence of the Haida people is really felt in the place. And it just, it feels like a place almost out of time. And you're kind of, it's just you and the fellow people you're with kayaking through this national park and pulling up on beaches and pitching your tent in the forest um, and these amazing forests. And it was just, it was a really magical place. And there was one sailboat that was kind of meandering through the same waters as us. And we saw it periodically. And it, that was kind of the idea of like somebody waking up and not knowing who they are and potentially not knowing when it is or anything. And if you're in that place, it very much feels like that. That just seems really plausible. And that scene really stuck with me. Yeah. And as I was writing the book and thinking about kind of 
what was driving me to, to spend my free time hunched over a different laptop than the one mm -hmm. I spend hunched over all day long was that it's really challenging to engage people in my day job professionally in climate change education or conversations because it's just very overwhelming and scary and dire and people feel powerless. And it, whereas when you pick up a suspense novel, you're kind of going in accepting that you're going to be a bit on edge or scared and people are open to that. To that. Right. But that's a, a better way to try and bring forward some of these ideas and get people thinking about it and maybe having some conversations about the future that we're on track for and what future do we want and what right. choices are we making but in an entertaining compelling page turning like it's totally. still about entertainment right it's not like it's not a lecture it's not mm -mm. yeah that's what I hope anyway yeah no it isn't so the the seed of the second seed was sort of the idea of like talking about this the reality of what's going on in a way that engages people to keep turning the pages and be like wow this is you know this is something we need to be talking more about. Yeah, yeah. To like, let's draw the one of the possible features we're on track for and decide if we like it or not, if we or if we want a yeah. different one, and and then come out of the book and be like, okay, it's only twenty twenty three. We do have time to to do things differently. And there was one particular conversation that I don't we don't talk about a lot, even in like Vancouver is a very um, passionate community on climate change, and people are quite engaged. But even in that context, this idea of kind of the migration impacts that are going to happen as places become uninhabitable and people need to move and shift to new places, whether that's within a country, within Canada or across border. And we're not really talking or preparing for that. And mm -mm. that worries me. So I'm like, let's start to see maybe some conversations there. Yeah. Yeah. I'll bet. Yeah, that's a very, it was, I thought that was really interesting that some of the places that were completely underwater in the book and in an uninhabitable and this sort of, there's a, there's a, one of the layers of stress of, of the book is this sort of migration, you know, and, and we're already, I mean, look at what we're doing at immigration in our, in, I mean, in the States, it's yeah. already ripe with stress and we're not even yet dealing with like, you know, places that, that are underwater and the shrinking land masses. So now is that, is you know this is is this this isn't your first book it is my first book oh it is this is your debut this is, yeah I'm this like, is my debut wow. oh congratulations Thank I was gonna you. ask like so did, is this the first time you sat down and thought I wasn't gonna write a book I, I've always been writing this is the first book that kind of I can finished and got to go through that you know multiple revisions and improvement stage so mm -hmm. it is my in that sense my first yep that's so exciting. But you, yeah. so you've written in the past. Well, that gets really impressive. I love that. Um, and I love to celebrate debut authors because it's, you know, it's a big deal. You only get to do it once, but it's brand new. And I hope you will celebrate really big. You have to make a big party of it. I think book I'm, pub I'm planning. Yeah. Good. Better than a birthday. It's better than a birthday. Yeah. So. My friends forced me into it. They're like, you can't let this moment slide by. So, and they're no. really- yeah, they're really stepping up to help me make it a really special day. So I'm feeling, oh. I'm feeling very loved. It's quite love. It's quite wonderful. I'm so glad because this is yeah. a lot of work. This isn't just like floating through a year and getting a birthday. This is like, you know, you did, this is an, it's a, people who don't write books probably, it looks like fun from the outside, but mm -hmm. it's a lot of work, right? Mm -hmm. So tell us about the process, you know, this, since this is the first novel you've finished and now it's going to be, uh, you know, available to the world, which is so exciting. Are you, did you plot it out? Did you pants it through? What, what was it like? Yeah, it was interesting. It was kind of just discovering my process as I did yeah. it and, and kind of seeing as I write the next one, what does that still work? Do I have a consistent process? And right. 
I describe it. There's a book um, by Matt Bell called Refuse to be Done. Um, I, I don't know that one. Oh, he, he's an instructor of creative writing um, in, I think, Arizona. And this book, um, I read it after I had already sold adrift and it was kind of done, but his description of a suggested process for drafting and revising is essentially exactly what I do. Oh. So I'd like to just refer people to it because I think that book is, it's very slim. It's a craft book on writing and it is my favorite. It's like he was in my brain and put it all on paper. I love but that. In the, yeah. In, in essence, what I, the best way to describe it is I start with an idea and I have kind of a rough sense of where I think it could go. And then I give myself freedom to play. And I don't yeah. call that drafting. Other people might call that drafting. Maybe it's a zero draft. I play with the voice and the, the tone and kind of just get a sense of playing with the characters and where they might want to go, who they are. And then once I've played around and have some scenes that I'm really enjoying, then I start to build almost stepping stones, kind of those key points. Mm -hmm. So it does shift into a quasi outline mode. And then I fill in the gaps that are missing. And then at some point I have a really clear outline to help me keep track of what I've got and what each scene is doing. So it starts off very open and playful. And then it just over time slowly kind of becomes more and more yeah, tightly outlined so that I yeah don't get lost, tell, frankly. Tell us the name of the book again. It's Refuse to be Done. A refuse to be Done. Okay, I was yeah. like, and it's Matt. Matt Bell. Matt Bell. Okay, I'm going to check it out. I mean, it's so funny. I I, I own, I think, most of the craft mm -hmm. books in the world. Um, But I do think sometimes it's fun just to read a new one and be like, wow, there's something in there that is useful because... Yeah. I found every book's a little different, right? Exactly. You know, you've got to find yeah. the one that works with your brain or your process and things click. And that one for mm -hmm. me, that was the one. Yeah. That's wonderful. So, so let's go back and talk about this idea of like, cause there is in this book, you know, she is encouraged. Um, S is encouraged to, to not go back into her past. And yet, of course, all of us think about that and and it would be very desperately uncomfortable to not know sort of where you come from. But but there is also something about, you know, people are like, there's also this idea that maybe there's something, there's some appeal to it, right? To the mm -hmm. idea of like this sort of the blank slate again. Um, what do you think? Yeah, that it was definitely something I was playing with. I was like, I mean, that idea of walking away from your life and starting afresh but guilt-free because you don't remember you don't know what you've left behind or all your obligations or <laughs> and so I think especially for people who have been through hard times like that must be you know like an in a in a speculative realm if that was possible would you choose to do it with something I was playing with and yeah as more and more people experience you know traumatizing climate impacts or you know loss of loved ones like if that existed in the world would that be a temptation or is the loss of everything so gutting and traumatizing in and of itself that you wouldn't contemplate it? And I, I don't know. I, I feel like, because you don't know what it's like to have all that stripped away, like your memory mm -hmm. of your parents or your childhood, you know, happy moments, all of that is gone. What does that actually feel like? I read a lot of um, books about amnesia patients. Yeah. Get a sense of like, what is it like? What are, what is, what is real amnesia like? And there's one, a really famous patient, um, HM, Henry Mollison, who couldn't form short-term memories. He had brain surgery in 1953 and he couldn't form any short memory after that. So everything was temporary. He would meet somebody, they would leave the room, they would come back in, he would be meeting them again for the first time. For 50 years, he lived like that. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, what would that be like? How do you, if every relationship is temporary? So it's a different kind of amnesia, but just yeah. the fascination of how the brain works and how we form connections and right. what's important. And it, I mean, it would be really terrifying. I think we depend so much on knowing sort of who we are, where we come from to move forward in the world that it seems like, God, you know, it would be, you know, and as experiences that she's, I mean, it is paralyzing. Um, and of course this, this note suggests like, God, what, what is back there that I don't want to, mm -hmm. you know, that I shouldn't look at, or I don't want to look at, or, you know, I mean, encouraged not to look at. So that is, um, that is super, you know, really interesting. And so as far as the, um, you know, the climate change um, aspects of this, you know, is there, are there books that you turn to when you're, you know, for like n people that are just dipping their toes into sort of the world of, or TED mm. Talks, or what would you, you know, recommend? I mean, we've all, we know, I, I mean, people who are reading and looking around the world know what's going on, sort of, right? But what is the sort of go-to for like, okay, here's how you can personally impact mm -hmm. the situation besides like the things we know about, right? Plant trees, recycle, you know, don't use as, you know, you know, don't use lots of water. Don't, you know, natural grasses. I mean, yeah. I just like, you know. Oh, I could talk. I mean, this is my day job. I could talk about this yeah. for hours. So feel free to cut me off when I go too long. No, but, no. Um, my publishers were great because they let me put a section in the back of the book. So there's actually a page in the back for people who are like, at starting at their journey of climate change like if the book is kind of bringing it up for the first time and they want to know where to start it kind of gives some questions on like the 101 um nasa actually has a really great overview um i feel like you can trust nasa they, you know yeah. people they know what they're doing i'm an aerospace engineer so i'm biased yeah um, so there's some resources there there's some great people like Catherine hayhoe who's a climate scientist um originally canadian but works in the states now um, and she's a great communicator and she really is good at, at just putting it in plain language. And she has a series of YouTube videos and podcasts. And you'll, if you Perfect. search her name, you'll find her everywhere in whatever format you like to get your information. So yeah. I'd really recommend Catherine Hayhoe. Um, the interesting thing is, and we found this in Vancouver, and again, Vancouver, I think, is quite educated on sustainability issues, very passionate about it, always pushing the government to take action on it, which is wonderful. Um, but when we did a poll, when we were starting to write our climate emergency action plan to gauge, you know, people's understanding, and we did a, like a statistically relevant poll of all Van of Vancouverites um, to ask them what they thought the biggest thing they could do to help address climate change in Vancouver specifically. And an overwhelming response was recycling, which is not the correct answer. Recycling mm -hmm. is important. And I think it really signals that a lot of us, when we went to school, you know, if we're older, um, sustainability equaled recycling. Right. Um, and, and water conservation. And that and it's those things are really important. But when we're talking about climate specifically, it's about carbon pollution. So we really it's about narrowing down, like, what are you doing that's burning fossil fuels? Where are you mm -hmm. burning gas or propane or fracked methane, natural gas? And it's home heating in Vancouver and it's different everywhere. Yeah. In Vancouver, natural gas burning is how most people heat their homes and their hot water. So that's a huge source and switching that, whereas our electricity is renewable. So if we can get people to switch their home heating, natural gas to electricity, Interesting. it's a huge carbon reduction for us here. And it's different everywhere. Um, but understanding that it's targeting, like, where are you burning fossil fuels and where in your personal life can you cut that? Mm -hmm. And how can you support your government in doing the bigger systems change? Because you can only do so much as an individual, like, you can't switch car trips to transit trips 
if your city doesn't have a functioning transit system. Right. So how do you advocate and support in building those systems that allow us to make the much bigger and much more needed kind of systems change? Yeah, that is yeah. so, I mean, that is right. We, we did sort of think, and I, you know, that is exactly, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, recycling yeah. or reducing waste in general, right? You know, yeah. but I think that's a really good point. And we are seeing the Montana, we're told, you know, we absolutely rely on natural gas for heat. Um, and we're seeing, you know, solar panels go up, but I'm not sure if people are converting their heat systems to electricity, or if that's just more to sort of, sort of the electric, you know, the electric aspects of your home. So mm. that it is, yeah, that's complicated to unpack. And I think finding yeah. out, yeah, specifically to your locale, like how is your electricity generated and, and understanding what the big changes are specific to where you are. And I think yeah. it's really important. Like there's a big debate about, you know, like we can't solve it through individual actions alone, but I think it's both. I think like there are things we can do as people and then getting involved with organizations and adding your voice to the push to make those bigger shifts is that's the other half of the equation that feels less immediately tangible. Um, but actually is the thing, like when we try to do things in the government, if there's not a vocal support for us to do something, that's quite difficult. Like yeah. allocating road space so that people have safe cycling routes so that people, right. it's, a, it's an actual viable, safe option for people. Mm -hmm. That's not popular to do. And if people are protesting it and nobody's coming out to support it, it's hard yeah. for municipal governments to do that. And so being a local champion is, a, it doesn't feel like a climate action. It's a hugely impactful climate action. Right. I can, yeah. I can absolutely see that. And I think that is, you know, e even in our little town, we're starting to see more uh, bike paths and uh, which is amazing, you know, mm -hmm. and I think that's, that's absolutely right. So tell me like, you know, so you're, it seems like, so you're an aerospace engineer. Um, how did you find your way to sustainability? Yeah, almost by accident. Um, I was working in Wisconsin for a little um, aerospace engineering company, doing cool stuff, um, working on projects that flew on the space station. So it was a super cool experience. Um, but we wanted to come back, my partner and I, he's also an aerospace engineer, and we wanted to come back to Canada. And most of the jobs, aerospace jobs in Canada are robotics, and neither of us are robotics engineers. And so we were, I was looking at just kind of like a career shift that would allow us to, to come home. And I was really frustrated with uh, the city that we were living in, where you couldn't walk anywhere. Everything was, the, the housing was really far from the shopping, which was really far from the office park. And I was really frustrated that we had to drive everywhere. I started looking into why were we designing cities this way and discovered urban planning so we came to vancouver i got a degree in urban planning went to work for the city and then kind of just switched at some point from planning to sustainability when it became a bigger it was just a growing thing at the city of vancouver and so there were some opportunities to step into it so really lucky people come to me for career advice and i was like i've got myself here by accident so yeah well i'm just lucky that I think now though, you know, no longer do we spend 50 years at one company. And so I think mm. that is how things happen. You take a step in the right direction and then it doesn't work. I mean, I, yeah, I have a daughter yeah. who's graduating from college in like two weeks and this is all we talk about because <laughs> mm. of course she has no idea. And I'm like, you're not yeah. supposed to know. You're not supposed yeah. to know right now. And it'll, well, that, it'll, it'll take you yeah. in unexpected directions. So yeah, like Just, I don't, don't regret engineering at all. Love the degree. Super valuable still. Like the the way it taught me how to think and approach problems is still really valuable, even if I'm not doing it directly. 
Of course, of yeah. course. And it all, it all built you to where you are. So I absolutely, I absolutely agree with that. Um, well, so tell me, you know, have you, were you, when you started writing, were you sort of writing about like, was this the sort of thing in your mind? Like, I'm going to put this, I'm going to create a story about climate or was it more like you just were also, you also sort of loved writing, you know, and were other stories sort of brewing in your head that were not climate related. And then you sort of married your two interests. Yeah. The latter. I, I wanted yeah. a book. It was kind of almost just, I needed to set it. I'm a spec. I really love sci-fi and speculative fiction mm -hmm. and you can't, write that now without grappling with climate change. I mean, you can't really even like even writing a set in today thing. It's hard to avoid it now, but if you're setting it in the future, you have to think about what does it look like? How have we survived as humans if you're writing really far out? So um, it just, my earlier writing wasn't focused on that at all. It was, it was just didn't really contemplate it. But when I sat down to do this project, it was, it was both. It was setting it in the future. So I have to, and then also a light bulb went off about I can entertain people and bring up some of these issues that it's just really hard to engage with in like we did a sea level rise education program at the city that I organized and we were going to festivals and I was like come talk to us about sea level rise in Vancouver and it was like we were not the fun booth we tried right um right so I think I just saw this opportunity to tell the story that I wanted to tell and be entertaining and also an experiment to see if it's a way to bring up the topics yeah. yeah. So tell us like, so what are you, you know, obviously you mentioned another book. Um, so tell us, can you tell us a little bit about what you're working on now? It's very early days. Yes. Um, going in a, like a Gothic direction. So, okay. kind of, but still with a speculative, I think I can't resist um, throwing in unexpected bits. Like with a drift, mm -hmm. it was kind of the memory wiping and amnesia and the climate impacted world and the amnesia refugees. Um, and then the new one, it's a different, it's a different speculative twist. I love that. Well, that is so yeah. fun. So I didn't, yeah, I didn't know if you were sort of thinking about like a climate series, but it sounds like every, everything's going to be a little bit different. They're standalones. I think, I think so. The, the, the other one touches on climate in a, in a very different way. Mm -hmm. so it's still there I don't know that I could ever not have it be yeah <laughs> I mean it's yeah. it's exactly it's uh like you said it's a really important subject and also it's one that's obviously really near and dear to your heart yeah. I have heard I'm not I'm I'm from California and I live in Montana so Vancouver's not really that far I've never been but I've heard it's just a phenomenal city I moved here thought I thought I was just going to go to university and then we would move somewhere else because I wasn't interested I didn't understand the hype about Vancouver and then we we moved into a little neighborhood, um, it, like it's a high density neighborhood and I had never lived in a high density neighborhood before. And we moved in and we sold our car and I was like, and we were six blocks from the beach and I was just like, why would I ever leave? And it doesn't yeah. snow or barely snow. <laughs> yeah. Like, why would I live anywhere else? There's mountains. Like you, you'll go to the bus stop and you'll see people in ski gear because they're taking the bus to the mountain to go skiing for the day. Oh, you'll see somebody else with a paddleboard because they're going to the ocean to paddle for the day it's just it's a it's a it allows you to have such an interesting varied lifestyle if you love the outdoors and you want an urban life this is where you can have all of it, it. sounds it's amazing you're going to get an influx of um of people now with it you've you've let a little off that but i have heard wonderful wonderful things about it well this is so exciting your debut novel tell us um where we can find you um are you on you know the socials your, your website 
Yeah. So lisabrito.com. Um, I have a blog there that I update every now and then with trying to kind of give some behind the scenes things as I learn stuff about publishing, um, learning about the importance of book reps and library associations and all sorts yeah, of interesting things. Exactly. Yeah. All these people who are doing amazing things that I think most readers don't know about who are make the whole mm -hmm. system work. Um, I'm also, yeah, I'm on, I'm on Twitter for as long as Twitter lasts. I'm <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, and I'm on Instagram. So grow, growing and spending more time on Instagram and all my links are on lisabrito.com. It's probably the easiest way to find yes. all the and, spots. And we should pronounce, we should spell it. It's B-R-I-D-E-A-U. That's right. It's a nice yeah. French name. It is. Yeah. Long, long roots in uh, East Coast French Canadian history. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I love the idea of your blog because I do think that there's a lot of unknown things about publishing. And and I think readers don't necessarily know even how much work we do on the promotion and the mm -hmm. and all those things that are just, there's not like a magical person who does all of that. So can you tell us a couple of things that you've learned that you found really interesting? I think that is interesting for our listeners. Yeah, I think the realization about how many books come out in a year, I was looking at a stat and I, it might have just been the top 10 publishers, 32,000 titles in 2022, which is staggering. And you think about bookstores and how they navigate catalogs. And so yeah. I think learning about the existence of book reps who get to know a region and stores and what works for them, what they're interested in, what sells in that area and helps that helps identify things in the catalogs for them because the bookstores owners, some of them I'm sure do it on their own and prefer to have that direct control, but other ones, it just, I think helps them navigate this yeah, and tsunami of books that just keep coming every season. Yeah. Right. 32,000 a year. Yeah. That is insane. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm with, I'm grateful that I'm with source books because they're, they're the seventh largest publisher in the state, which is amazing. Um, they do 560 titles in a year, which feels mm -hmm. like a more sane number that mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. to kind of be behind solidly and make sure each one is a success. So it feels good that it's a manageable number versus some of the major imprints. Um, just the numbers are just so huge. I don't understand how it operates. Yeah, it's so insane. And, and actually, Sourcebooks is relatively new um, and to my knowledge, but I have um, a few friends, Ashley Winsett is one um, mm -hmm. who is published with them and she's been super, super happy. So I think um, that's great. And I do think it, it's nice to not be in one of the sort of massive machines, right? I think so. Do you, yeah. It's, do you want to be a little fish in a really, really big pond or do you want to be like a medium sized fish, medium sized pond? Yeah. <laughs> Which one feels exactly. safer? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, it's fantastic. Well, everyone, so this, our podcast is coming out on the um on the second fourth of may so that's thursday the fourth which when you're listening to this and lisa's book comes out next tuesday so you still have time to go and order it grab it go to the walk to the bookstore bike to the bookstore <laughs> and um pick up your coffee of a drift this is it's a really fun very unique story that i enjoyed so much and i really learned to love s so um i think that's always the most fun is to connect with your characters that's wonderful to hear. Yeah. S is, I love S. So I hope yeah. other people find a way to connect with her as well. No, yeah. they will. Exactly. She's, she's layered and, and complex in the best of ways. So um, thank you so much, Lisa, for joining me today. It's been so fun to talk to you. Amazing. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
Absolutely. And everyone, this has been Killer Women with Lisa Bredeau and her new book, Adrift is out. Go grab it now and we will see you next time. Bye. Mm -hmm.